0: Uh, Friends, if you have a copy of the scriptures, please turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. As you're turning there, let me pause for a moment to thank uh, Michael Langer uh, for the last minute uh, pinch hit last week. Um, That was the first time in being a pastor for 13 years that I've ever had to call out on a Saturday. Um, So hopefully I've got another 13 years before I have to do it again. Um, I was... I was pretty sick. I am, I am over it. Like, I haven't had a fever in like a week. Um, however, uh, I do have a lingering cough. Um, so if I start inexplicably hacking uh, while I'm preaching, because I've got this tickle in my throat that wants to cough about every second, um, just know I'm not spewing uh, infection upon you. I just kind of moved into my chest a little bit. So... Uh, Today we are looking at Habakkuk chapter 3. We're looking at verses 1 to 16. Uh, This is God's word for us, his people, this morning. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. God came from Timon, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan and affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret." You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Friends, this is God's word for us this morning. Let's pray and ask for his help. To understand it. Our great God, we pray this morning that you would send your Holy Spirit to us, that you would give us insight and understanding, that you would illuminate your word in our hearts. Father, we pray this morning that you would teach us what it means to trust you even when things are hard. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. When you look around, honestly, everything seems really hard right now. Maybe it feels that way to you as well. In the past two weeks, we've had two mass shooting events. We've not only had those, we, in one of the cases, we had what seems to be the, the failure of those who are sworn to protect. Uh, there's societal breakdown around us. Uh, it seems as if even our society is plagued by intractable problems that the people who have, we've elected to govern and to lead seem either unwilling or unable to Fix. We look around and everything is hard in the culture. And I know for many of you, things are hard right now in your own lives as well. There's relational brokenness. There is stress at work. There is difficulty in your families. Things are hard. When things are hard, where do we find hope? Where Can it be found? Chapter 3 in the book of Habakkuk is a song that God gives his people to shape them. It's a song that God gives his people to help them find hope in the midst of difficult things. One commentator says that chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk actually gives us a geography of hope, It tells us where hope can be found. And I think what we're going to see as we look at this text together is we're going to see that hope can be found in looking backwards, but hope can also be found in looking forwards. But before we jump into the text itself, I want to just think for a moment about the ways we already look backwards and look forwards when things are difficult. Because this is already something we are doing and what the passage is going to do is show us how God would have us look backward and look forward. When things are hard, we all look backward. And we look backward largely, perhaps, to try to figure out how we got here so that we can either fix it or avoid getting here again. And when you do this in your personal life, often this leads to things and feelings like shame and guilt and regret. You might look back at your life when things are hard and wonder if the things that you've done in the past make you unlovable or unworthy of being loved and accepted. And perhaps you fear that if people really knew what you were like, then you would be rejected. We call that shame. Or maybe you look back at the past and you feel guilt over your past Actions or your past inactions or the decisions that you've made in the past, and you're just wondering to yourself if you've messed everything up, if all of the hard things that are happening in your life are just your fault and they are unfixable. Perhaps you just look back at your life and feel regret, just wondering and wishing if you've done everything. Wrong. Like maybe you went to the wrong college or took the wrong job or married the wrong person, and you're wondering if somewhere, some other version of your life would have been possible, and you are crushed under the weight of regret. Oftentimes in our lives, when things are hard and we look backwards, we find nothing but shame and guilt and regret. But when things are hard, we also tend to look forward and wonder if things might be different in the future. However, unfortunately, when we do this, we often find anxiety and worry instead. We can't see in our own minds how it could be that things would be different And so instead, we worry about the future. We worry about what might happen next. We do it in our work. We do it in our relationships. We do it in the way we think about politics. We worry about what's coming next. Habakkuk 3 teaches us that it's not wrong for us to look backwards And to look forwards. But it reminds us that we must look backwards rightly. We must look forward rightly if we're actually going to find hope in these two places. We see what it means to look backwards in the first half of this prayer that Habakkuk prays. Verse 2, Habakkuk is asking God to revive and to remember. But what is he asking him to revive and to remember? You see it there in verse 3. The time that God came from Timon and Mount Paran. You see also in verse 7, another set of locations, Cushan and Midian. Here's where it's helpful to have maps in your Bible. Uh, This is the point here. Timon is south of Israel in the east and Mount Paran is west of Israel. As Habakkuk is praying this prayer, he is asking God to remember the time that God stood up in the east and marched to the west to fight for his people. You might know this if you're looking at a map currently of your Bible, uh, but west is where Egypt is from the nation and the land of Israel. And so what Habakkuk is doing here is he is describing God hearing the cries of affliction of his people when they were in slavery in Egypt and rising and marching west to Egypt to fight for them there, to rescue them from slavery. And in verse 5, we're reminded of the way that God did that. If you remember the plagues that he sent upon the Egyptians, verse 5, calls those things back to mind. God using pestilence and plague to judge Egypt and to defeat them and to rescue his people from slavery. You see, what Habakkuk is doing here is he is looking back to the Exodus. He is looking back to when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. When the Creator himself Used the creation, pestilence, and plague to fight for, to rescue, and to redeem his people. When everything seems terrible, remember where the context of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is praying about the sin he sees in God's people. And God says, Now the Babylonians are coming to judge. When everything seems terrible, when everything seems hopeless, Habakkuk looks back on God's mighty acts of salvation in the past. And it's important to note Habakkuk doesn't look back at his own life, at the things that he has done. He is reminded again and again of what God has done for his people. So when we say we want to look backwards, this is the Bible calling us to be people who remember. But it's deeper than just like calling it to mind. This memory that the Bible is calling us to is something deeper than just sort of recalling the information. Uh, In fact, there is a special theological word for this kind of memory. Uh, And I'm going to give it to you and I'll spell it for you copious note takers and the word is this anamnesis anamnesis it's a-n-a-m-n-e-s-i-s anamnesis is remembering but it's not just recalling information and bringing it to mind it is like inhabiting the past it is living in light of the past It's like the same way you remember to ride a bike. It is an embodied living in this memory. And so part of what this passage is calling us to is not only believing in theory that God has done great things, but actually feeling God's goodness, God's justice, God's Faithfulness. It is feeling those things are true even when we look around and those things don't seem to be apparent. Anamnesis teaches us to feel the truth and the length of this story that we are a part of. And it helps us to see that the difficulties of the present, while they are real, are not the truest Or the only things that are happening in the world. Habakkuk here finds hope by looking back. Feeling the weight of what God has already done on behalf of his people. And feeling the truth of that story. So when things are hard, whether in our personal lives or in the world around us. At least in part, we must look back at what God has already done. But we also look forward. And we see it. There's actually a shift that happens in verse 8. It's not apparent in the way that our English Bibles uh, format this. But in verse 8, a shift happens, even though it sounds like the song and the prayer just continues. And the shift happens and you see it most clearly in verses 13 to 15 where we see Habakkuk talking about the destruction and the defeat of the one who comes to, and quote, scatter me. So God is shifting here to talking about judging the Babylonians. So the shift is he goes from looking backwards to what God already did in judging the Egyptians to now he's looking forward to when God will judge the Babylonians who haven't yet even invaded Israel. And when God judges Babylon, what you see is creation itself fights on behalf of God's people. Look at all of the different things that it says are fighting for God's people. Verse 9 says the rivers are fighting. Verse 10 says the mountains are fighting. Verse 11 says the sun and the moon are fighting. Verse 15 says the sea is fighting. God himself is going out for the salvation of his people. And verse 13 says he will crush the head of the house of the wicked, which means God is snatching an overwhelming victory from what seems to be an absolutely possible and overwhelming defeat. In verse 14, there is rejoicing already over this victory. You see, friends, this song, this prayer is given not only to anchor us in what God has done in the past, but it's meant to shape God's people by what God will do for us In the future. And what's crazy is it is in the future. It hasn't happened yet when we're looking here at Habakkuk chapter three. But it's described in the past tense. It's described like it has already happened. And what's important here is for us to note this is not wishful thinking, this is not blind hope. God is inviting Habakkuk to participate in, to rest in, to enjoy the future victory that God will win now. God is inviting Habakkuk to rest in this future salvation now. And for the sake of symmetry, there is also a fun theology word for this. And that word is prolepsis. P R O L E P S I S. Prolepsis. Prolepsis is inhabiting the reality of the future now. Prolepsis is like rereading a story you love, knowing that even when things seem dark and things seem hopeless, knowing that the hero will save the day. It's knowing that evil will lose and goodness will win and truth and beauty will carry the day. That doesn't make the hard things or the scary parts or the darkness or the pain less real, but it shows us that the hard things we experience... Are not ultimate. The hard things that we go through in this life are not the truest thing. What the second half of this prayer is doing is it is inviting us to watch the story of history like it's a movie. Have you ever sat with somebody who has seen a movie that is scary or intense and they lean over to you and they say, just wait. That's what's happening here. God is inviting us to watch the story of history next to him. And he is saying, just you wait. When everything is terrible, we don't just look back at what God has done in the past. We look forward and we inhabit the very ending of the story. You see, this song teaches us where to find hope. And we find it looking backwards, and we find it looking forwards. It was true for Habakkuk here, but friends, this is true for us as well. Because when things are hard, when everything seems like it's terrible, we're falling apart, we are called as God's people to look back to the time when the creator of the universe used his creation To fight for his people. And nowhere is that more true than in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Friends, God used a tree and a hole in the ground to rescue us from sin and death, to defeat all of his and all of our enemies. In the Exodus, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt and in the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus, we are delivered from slavery to sin and death. And so when everything is terrible, when everything is hard, when it feels like everything is falling apart, we look back to the moment where the question of our worth and God's love for us was definitively settled. That moment changes Everything. It is the moment we are reminded that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us and gave us all that He has. His Son to rescue us and His Spirit to dwell within us. Friends, it's the Gospel. But the important thing we can remember this morning is that the Gospel is not just behind us. The gospel is not just something we recall. The gospel is not just something that is in the past. The gospel is something that is still coming now. And so we look forward to the day that Jesus returns and who crushes the head of the one who is seeking to destroy his people. We look forward to the day when every king and every president and every nation and every tribe and every person will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. We look forward to the day that the sin is ripped out of God's good creation by its roots. Where death is undone forever. Where tears are wiped from our eyes. Where everything is made new. And we dwell forever with God in a world made perfect. Friends, this is the geography of hope. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus are behind you and in front of you, as one pastor puts it, is a long-term worst-case scenario of resurrection and eternal life. That is where hope is found. Would you pray with me? Merciful God, we come to you this morning confessing that things are hard. And Father, we pray that you would anchor us in the truth of what you have done on our behalf, anchor us in the death and the resurrection. Of the Lord Jesus. Let us be reminded. Let us inhabit the truth of that gospel. But Father, we pray also that you would help us to enjoy and participate and rest in what is coming the return of Jesus to make everything sad come untrue. Father, let us cling to that hope and let us enjoy it even now, being reminded that the difficulty and the hardship and the pain we experience are not ultimately the truest thing. Father, even now as we come to your table, we pray that you would do this work. We pray that you would take this ordinary bread and this ordinary cup and use them for an extraordinary purpose, to anchor us in the truth of Christ's work on our behalf and to prepare us for what is coming. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.